The Big Fight Weekend Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows is brought to you by WinBet. Get started today and you'll get a risk-free bet up to $500. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. We're also brought to you in part by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Use the promo code SGP on your first deposit and receive up to $500 in bonus cash. That's PropSwap.com, promo code SGP. We're also brought to you in part by Underdog Fantasy. Sign up at UnderdogFantasy.com with promo code SGPN and receive a free $25 entry to use in the Best Ball Mania 2 and a chance to win a million bucks. And we're also brought to you in part by the SGPN app. Just enter SGPN in the App Store or the Google Play Store to download it today. The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, T.J. Reeves. Yes, indeed, we are back in as the month of July trudges on in the hot summer here in the U.S. And wherever you are tuned in, thank you for finding us on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. I am the somewhat capable host. In a moment, Marquise Johns will be here, senior writer, bigfightweekend.com. And right off the bat, we're wasting no time. Uh-uh. No, sir. We're not wasting any time. We're going right in, head first off the high dive in the deep end, as I like to say. Barry Tompkins, a legendary play-by-play voice, longtime play-by-play voice of uh, HBO, uh, ESPN, and now Showtime Sports calling the sport of boxing. Some of the biggest fights, obviously, over the last 30 or 40 years. Barry Tompkins has been on the mic. He will be our guest. Marquise and I will talk with him post-haste, forthwith, straight ahead on the Big Fight Weekend podcast, as he will be on the call Friday night, depending on when you're hearing us, of the Showbox Next Generation series of Prospect Fighters. Their 20th anniversary show is coming Friday night in Nebraska, of all places. No, not Madison Square Garden. Uh, no, not some of the other meccas like in Las Vegas, the MGM Grand, uh, et cetera, et cetera. You know, Eddie Hearn loves to have all the big fights at Wembley Stadium now in London. No, no, this will come from Great Island or Grand, Grand or Great, Grand Island, Nebraska. Uh, but Barry will be with us to talk all about it and, and all about the unbeaten prospects in the super middleweight division that are fighting each other, plus some historical perspective from him and much more. Barry Tompkins straight ahead. Marquise and I have lots to discuss, including the hotly contested, still being debated, a draw for the undisputed junior middleweight championship last week. We spent so much time talking Jermel Charlo, title defense, almost like a foregone conclusion that he was going to win, if not by knockout. Lo and behold, this is what happens in boxing. It is, uh, it's Larry Merchant's great line, the theater of the unexpected. The unexpected was Brian Castaño not just standing in there with Charlo, not just trading with Charlo, getting the better of Charlo in terms of scoring and punch output, uh, et cetera, uh, to the point where it's fair to say Castaño got robbed, got robbed of the decision. A draw saves Jermel Charlo what would have been a humbling, humiliating loss. Marquise and I are going to talk about this so much more, including the hideous scorecard of Puerto Rican judge uh, Nelson Vasquez, uh, who scored nine of the 12 rounds for Jamel Charlo. Jamel Charlo might not have won nine rounds if you gave him 20 rounds in that fight, uh, the way that Castaño was fighting the other night. In any event, we'll talk about that. 
we will also talk about the fights this weekend besides the Showbox card. It is a London heavyweight fight card. No, it does not involve Tyson Fury. This will be the first of a couple of times that I mentioned hashtag gut punch that we do not have Fury Wilder that had been scheduled for the last two months for this weekend in Las Vegas because lo and behold, Tyson Fury supposedly tested positive for COVID-19. I guess we have to accept that uh, even though there's some evidence to the contrary that he wasn't that sick, what was really going on, we don't know. So that was supposed to be this weekend. It's not happening. There is a British heavyweight contender fight, unbeaten Joe Joyce, the juggernaut as he's known, fighting a grizzled, uh, bulky veteran Carlos Takam. That uh, that fight in London, that is the BT Sport Queensbury Promotions main event. Joy still angling to maybe get a title shot in 2022, he hopes, uh, for some version of the heavyweight championship. Joyce, speaking of the Olympics, uh, which are getting underway this weekend, Joyce, a former Olympian, a former British uh, Olympian. So anyway, we'll talk more about that fight. We'll go over the gambling odds, much more news of the week with Marquise later on. But again, Barry Tompkins is coming straight ahead first to talk about this showbox card. Before we do that, I tell you again, if you have just found us on the Big Fight Weekend podcast via a social media link, if you have found us through the Sports Gambling Podcast, their network of shows, sportsgamblingpodcast.com, Again, subscribe to this podcast. However you found it, it comes automatically to you, usually by Friday morning, Friday midday, we're out. In this case, we are already out Friday midday because the big main event for Showbox, the Showtime boxing card on that series, is a Friday night fight card. Um, Washington against Steen, super middleweights that are both unbeaten. You'll hear more about Calvin Washington and Isaiah Steen in a few minutes. But the point is, because that fight's out Friday, you don't got to worry about when our podcast is out to preview. If you're subscribed, it's going to ding automatically. And especially if we come back in, recap podcast, special developments besides coming in the preview mode, you will get it automatically if you are subscribed. So go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. It comes automatically to you. And again, publicly thank you to the Sports Gambling Podcast, helping promote us through their network, through their website, Sean Green, Ryan Kramer. They do a great job. We're here in the summer doldrums, but we're rocking on talking boxing. And we have thousands and thousands and thousands of you to say thank you to and them for helping promote us so that you can find us here on this here podcast. With all of that out of the way, let's get rolling. Again, Showbox in Nebraska, Friday night, 20th anniversary of that fight series. Special guest with us to lead it off here on the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. As advertised, I have been looking forward to having him back on our Big Fight Weekend Podcast to talk all things boxing, but specifically happy anniversary as we get to talk to Barry Tompkins about the 20th anniversary of the Showbox series on Showtime Friday night, Grand Island, Nebraska, by the way. Hello, where they're going to come uh, with a super middleweight main event, and Barry is back on board with us. First of all, we are thrilled to have you back on board the podcast. Uh, I, I always love getting your insight, etc. And you once again prove, you guys on Showbox, you're going to go anywhere where the fights are, Barry. Good to have you. That's that's a key. Anywhere is the operable word. We, we've been no place where the population exceeds 65,000, I think, in the last two years. You know? <laughs> but, it, you know, but it's kind of fun. It really is fun. This place, this is the heart, literally the heartland of America, I'm telling you. And, and in fact, 
not only is the fight going on, but the county fair is also going on. So, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to grow a zucchini in my room here and see if I can win first prize. You know? Just understand that a cow doesn't fit in the carry-on luggage or in the overhead bin if you or Al or Raul Marquez buys, uh, you know, agricultural animals that they do not fit in the overhead That's, The problem is I've been on the road so long, it was a calf when I put it in, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Good, uh, good one line on that. Um, all right. There are so many different avenues that we can travel. The first one is let's don't bury the lead 20 years of Showbox on Showtime. What, what is it meant to be part of this? What is it meant to see this series grow? I saw the stat 84, it, not seven, not 20, 84 future world champions have appeared on this series, by the way, what does it mean 20 years in to be part of this? You know, it's, I'm really proud of this show. And I have to tell you, you know, I've been lucky enough in my career that I've done some really big fights, you know, work for some really, really good people and work with some really good people. And I, and I, and I'm really not kidding when I say this, this show is the most fun I've ever had. It really is. And the crew is the best crew I've ever had. And as I said, I've been with some great people in the past, but and I'm not only talking about Steve Farhood and Raul Marquez, who, you know, are both not only color commentators with me, but really true and dear friends, uh, but the entire crew, you know, it's amazing. The thing about this series, and it's mostly to do with a guy who I know you guys know, but America probably doesn't know, our executive producer, Gordon Hall. You know, this is his baby. He's got two daughters, but this is his third kid. And, and he nobody cares more than he does, you know. And it shows, not only does it show in the fights that we have, because we always have good matchups, it shows in the, in the crew that works for him, you know. And again, I don't just mean the people that are seeing, the people that are on the air. But I'm talking about the sound guys and the camera guys and the makeup people and the stage managers and people like that. And we all get along. Not only do we get along, we really look forward to seeing each other, even if it's in Grand Island, Nebraska. <laughs> I got Marquise Johns, a senior writer at BigFightWeekend.com, hanging. He's been chomping at the bit to ask Barry Tompkins some questions. Fire away. Go Absolutely. for it, Marquise. Absolutely, Barry. I want to follow up on that. You mentioned uh, Gordon, and pretty much that this is his baby. He's been doing this with you guys since episode one till this Friday. Just explain to me, because, Barry, you've been doing television and broadcasting for a long time. Explain to everyone the importance of having the same staff and crew, uh, from the sound guys to the people in the truck over and over again for the audio shows? You know, that's a really good question, Marquise. And, and it's absolutely true. You know, th there've been a lot of shows that I've done over the course of my career, probably more than, than the other way. It's been that, you know, I always have to be thinking what's coming, you know, cause as the, as a play-by-play -play guy, you know, I've always thought of my, my role, not only in boxing, but in any sport, I do a lot of different sports, you know, I, I'm like the quarterback, you know, so I get the snap from center and I hand the ball off, you know, and, and when you hand the ball off, you want to be pretty sure that it's coming back at some point, you know, <laughs> and that absolutely is not true in every case, but working with the same people all the time, having the same director, same producer, those two guys have been with the show since it started 20 years ago. I'm the new kid. I only started 10 years ago, you know, and with Steve Farhood and Raul, uh, I never have to worry about that. You know, all I have to worry about when we go on the air is my job. I don't have to think what's coming next. What's Steve going to say that, you know, I might have to jump in and save him. Same thing with Raul. You know, am I, 
there have been a lot of shows where you're just kind of sitting there waiting, how is this going to end and where am I going to have to take this, you know? And that's never the case with this show. All I have to worry about is my job. And my job is really easy because I've said this many, many times, but to do boxing, the most important thing is to know your left from your right. And I'm pretty good at that. And he has been for a lot of years, legendary play-by-play man with HBO, with ESPN, with Fox sports, with Showtime, love the insight of Barry Tompkins. And uh, we've had you on, on previous occasions. In fact, I'm going to refresh your memory. We had you on shortly after the shutdown of the sport. You are still my friend. The answer to the trivia question that the last sporting event in North America, pre COVID-19 shutdown of everything was Barry Tompkins, Steve Farhood, Raul Marquez on the call, Minnesota, I believe it was, right? Hinkley, Minnesota. Minnesota. Another under 65,000 population place where they went (laughs) with showboxing. But you're the answer to the trivia question, babe. When everything shut down, the last thing we saw was Barry calling fights on showbox on that on that Friday night. I just have to bring that back up to make you smile. And and I got to tell you, TJ, too, compared to Hinkley, Minnesota, Grand Island, Nebraska is Paris. <laughs> and that now, doesn't say a lot I mean, for Hinkley or Grand Island, but that's good. Hinkley, Hinkley, Minnesota is one of those places that when you get off the plane, your nostrils freeze. Oh, yeah. man. Especially it's, in March. I, right, right. It, Not in the it, summertime. Brutal. It, it is brutal. And I mean, it's 40 miles from anywhere. From anywhere. You know? so <laughs> I this is say, the series I, this is the series and you go yeah. wherever the fights are and you had brandon lee that night and you've had uh, the occasion you could go on for probably 10 minutes of all these different fighters you've had in all these different locations again to bring it back that's the beauty of it yeah no it really is and to be really honest with you you know i kind of yeah. like being in places like this you know it you really you kind of get to know the folk you know and and People are really friendly and more importantly than anything else, it's the only show in town, you know? And so it's an event, you know, you do a show like this, I live in San Francisco, you do a show like this in San Francisco or in New York or in Philadelphia. And, you know, there's going to be 2,500 boxing fans who may know about it, but nobody else does. But in Grand Island, Nebraska, everybody, you were kidding earlier, but this probably is the seventh or eighth interview I've done today. With, I, we did every radio station, which I think there are two, in Grand <laughs> Island. You know, we did television interviews. I mean, everybody knows about this show. And that's the charm of doing shows in places like this and, and Hinkley and Miami, Oklahoma and uh, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. You know, I mean, that's that's the charm of it. And I and truthfully, I really do like it. I've, I've said all along because I do a lot of basketball also. And I've always said. You know, I'd rather do a game in Stillwater, Oklahoma, or, you know, uh, pick your favorite small town, big college. Boise, Idaho, Ames, Forest, Iowa, Connecticut, Ames, wherever. You know, <laughs> I'd rather do a show there, a game there than I would in my own backyard, you know, where nobody cares and nobody <laughs> knows, you know. So it's fun. It, it really is. All right, I'll tell you what has been fun for us recently. We were huge fans before we ever saw it, but obviously massive fans after we did see the Showtime docuseries, The Kings. And it's only appropriate for that four-part series that sprinkled all through it, calling the fights from back in the 80s involving Sugar Ray Leonard, 
Thomas Hearns, Roberto Duran, and Marvin Hagler was Barry Tompkins. Okay, I don't know this answer. This is why we love podcasts. What was it like for you to watch the Kings documentary like we all did and we all enjoy it and know that you're intertwined? You knew you were intertwined with part of it, but to relive it kind of in that regard and watch as a fan, what was it like? You know, it was really interesting because I'm the type of person, and, and it's probably because I do a lot of different sports, not quite as many as in my old age now as I used to, but, um, but I never really stopped to reflect on those days at HBO, you know? I mean, we did the biggest fights there were. I mean, I feel so blessed to have done fights like you were talking, you know, Leonard Hearns and Leonard Hagler and Hearns Hagler and Arguello Pryor and, you know, Pickett, you know, Mike Tyson's mm -hmm. fights. Um, you know, I, I really do, I really feel blessed, but I'm the type of person that, because I was doing so many different things, especially back then, that as soon as the show was over, it was next case, you know, what's going on next? I got a game of some sort. I can't be thinking about the Leonard Hagler fight, you know? And so I never really reflected on it. It was big in the moment and I really enjoyed it the moment, but it takes a show like that, a series like that to really bring it all back where you say to yourself, wow, you know, I mean, I, I did all, all those things, you know, I, and believe me, my whole career has been like that. I've been, I've been so blessed in my whole career, you know, and if it weren't yeah, literally, if it weren't for four or five days in my career, I have no, I'd be saying fries with that burgers or, you know, <laughs> I, it's really true. I, I've just really been lucky. I do. I do find it interesting um, that whenever we get to relive the Hagler Hearns opening round, there were two guys on the call, Al Michaels on the pay-per-view call and Barry Tompkins on the tape delay call. And through the middle of it, uh, you know, this, both of you had kind of the same reaction where Al's line with Al Bernstein is something to the effect, how long can they keep it up? Not very long at this at this pace. You say in the middle of that first round, obviously, this is still the first round. We right. are all 40 years later still saying this is still the first round. And it was just great to, to relive. I know I'll share this with you. Marquise knows this from when we had the director, Matt Whitecross on. They did, and he, he may have told you this, you may know this, they did a full version of production and had over an hour and 15 minutes on Hagler Hearns that they now honed down really? to like 10. He said, we could I have done an hour, 15 minutes on all wow. that we had on Hagler Hearns. And we ended up compressing it into about seven or eight minutes. Um, it just, it transcends everything. And again, we're thrilled to have you. And I still love almost 40 years later, this is still the first round, Barry Tom. Well, wow. you know, the funny thing about that is you know, there've been a few opportunities. You only have so many opportunities in your career to have, you know, a moment like that. And I say a moment, it was three minutes, but you know, where there's something really big happens and you're fortunate enough to wreck and Al, of course, did this too. Al does it better than anybody, oh, by the way. But um, to recognize that moment when it happens. And you just hope that you say the right thing at the right time. And is it, it's nothing you could ever prepare for. It's nothing you could ever plan. Uh, and you hope, I've always thought, if you can get 50% of those, you're doing okay. And Al Michaels gets about 75%. You know, I mean, you know, his line in the hockey game in 1980, the Miracle on Ice game was probably one of the most classic lines in sports television history, you know, and he nailed it, you know, and I've been lucky enough. I've had my share. And I think in my own mind, I maybe maybe I've gotten 50 percent the way I would have wanted to do it had I have had time to rehearse it, you know, 
but you know, there've been a number of calls that I, I'd like to have back. But it's a live, it's a live business and you call right. it as you see it and you're selling yourself short because I would go like 80 or 90% of the time. This man is on it, even with the Showbox series. Marquise, did you have anything uh, else here for Barry Tompkins, a legendary Showtime announcer with us on the Big Fight Weekend podcast? Absolutely, TJ. And Barry, I want to ask you about this because this is the first fight back with Showbox, uh, back at the, where the scene of it all at being beautiful Grand Island, Nebraska. And more importantly, we, 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 we joked about it earlier, you were stuck at Hinkley with, uh, with limited people there. This one's actually having people back there, Barry. Uh, what... What's the What do you think you go looking forward to pretty much when it happens on Friday? Well, you know, oftentimes the crowd will carry us. You know what I mean? I, it's like I don't have to gear myself up to sell the show at the beginning. You know, yeah. uh, the crowd does that, you know, and if it's a good ring announcer, the ring announcer will help with that. You know, he'll get the crowd all jacked up for when you come on the air, you know. So it's easy when there's a crowd. It's not a false, you know, boy, it's great to be here, you know. <laughs> uh, but when there's no people there, you kind of have to do that. And when you do that, it's it's like you, you, you almost feel like, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to talk that loud. You know, in fact, one instance that happened that I thought was really funny that sort of typifies what we've been going through. We did a fight in the bubble up in Connecticut. It was earlier this year. And, uh, and a fighter got, I don't remember who it was, but the fighter got knocked down early in the fight. And, you know, the referee will say, walk to me. And when he, when he walked, when the fighter walked to him, he was, he was going wall to wall rather than straight ahead, you know? Yeah. And so I said on the air to Steve Farhood, I said, you know, I'm not sure. I think this fight should be stopped. And the referee heard me say that and stopped the fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that was, that was probably that virtually a career happen. first, maybe a career first where you helped a, ju a judge or a referee decide that's it. Yeah, that would and that would never happen if there are any people in attendance. You'd never hear us talking, you know. Ra Raul Marquez, who will be with you on Friday night on Showbox, shared a similar story out of the bubble in the Mohegan Sun Casino in Connecticut where he was giving analysis while you guys were going to the fight. I can't remember the fight or the fight, not important to the story, but Raul yeah. said he should be doing this. And then when the fighters went back in the corner, the, the trainer or whoever was talking said, did you hear what Raul Marquez said? You should be doing this. He essentially, he essentially That is what, funny. So, so Raul's like, man, I felt, I felt on one hand awkward, but another hand, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like it's a compliment that they, that they you know, saw my I, advice. It's, you mentioned Raul and, and I, I, I really do want to mention this, that I, I quite frankly think that the best color commentators I've ever had have been non-boxers. You know, I had Larry Merchant at, at HBO. I had Rich Barada for all the years I was at Fox. I had Al Bernstein the years that I was at ESPN. And now I have Steve Farhood. And those guys, in my opinion, are the best guys around. And I can't even tell you why. But my theory on it is that not every fighter is a student of the game, you know. But I think there are certain people who watch the sport, like the guys I mentioned, who really are. They really know what they're looking at. And they've seen so much of it that they can almost tell you what's coming next. Raul is the exception to that rule. I, and I really believe, I honestly do, there's only two fighters doing broadcasting now who are truly students of the game who can bring it to the dance. There are fighters who are students of the game, but they can't uh, translate it to the television camera, you know. And Raul really can. And I, I, the other one is Andre Ward. And I, and I, I, because I know Andre and he's really worked at it. And Raul is the same way. Raul wants to be as good a broadcaster as he was a fighter. 
And honestly, in, in my career, that can only be said about a very small handful of fighters. And the two that I mentioned are the ones that immediately come to mind. Al, uh, again, Al Bernstein uh, is one of those guys that is a Hall of Famer. This guy, a Hall of Famer as well. We love the inside. Again, the Showbox main event on Friday night from Nebraska at the time that we're taping. Calvin Henderson, Isaiah Steen. They are both unbeaten super middleweights. And get another plug in real quick here. This is what this series is all about because for whoever wins this, they are really now on their way at least to contention for a possible world title shot. The launching of careers is what it's all about absolutely you know and again that's credit to gordon hall because he really is the matchmaker in these fights too uh so he's the one that's selecting the opponent and of course the promoters you know they want to give their guys tomato cans they don't want to put a guy who's undefeated on our air national television and have him get knocked off and and gordon just puts his foot down and said no we're not taking him you know if you don't take the guy that i'm telling you you're not your guy's not on you know <laughs> and so that makes for there's nothing better as a broadcaster uh, to go on the air or even for you guys as journalists, you know, to go on the air and uh, and truly not know who's going to win the fight. You know, because and I'm talking about at the highest levels, our fights are more competitive than the fights are on our championship show series. I'd say 80 percent of the time you got a pretty darn good chance of knowing who's going to win that fight. And you're probably 80% right, probably maybe more than 80% right. But like the fight you just talked about, our main event tomorrow night, I, I, I think it's a pick and fight. I, I can make a case for either one of those guys. In fact, I can make a case for any of the six guys who are going to be on television tomorrow night. Um, and, and I think that's what separates this series, quite frankly, from every other series, including the really big shows. I really do. Love the insight of this man. He's got to run. Uh, uh, certainly appreciate the time with Barry Tompkins for the Showbox series coming. I'm going to make you smile one more time because I was reliving. We are big on our website, bigfightweekend.com, about reliving the historical perspective of the sport. So at the time that we're interviewing you, this this moment uh, here in mid-July is an anniversary of a Mike McCallum one-punch knockout of Donald Curry. And I went back and relived the whole broadcast we wrote about it on the website. I relive the whole broadcast of the whole thing with the drama. They can read about it on our site. They can find the fight on YouTube. Barry Tompkins, 1,000% on the call with the left hook out of nowhere, including that was a classic one-punch knockout resonating what? through my TV speakers. So, my man, I just wanted to make you smile. Retro-wise, love it from back in the I'll, I'll, I'll tell you one quick story about that fight as a matter of fact i brought i wasn't married at the time and i brought a girlfriend to the fight with me she'd never been to a fight before and i had her she was sitting right behind me and uh and when that punch happened all i could hear in my headsets was oh my god he killed him <laughs> and it's her that was all i it's heard her. I couldn't hear my producer, couldn't hear my color commentator. All I heard was her saying, oh, my God. You know, I'm thinking all of America is hearing that. Yeah, well, and it was an oh, my God moment. Uh, and these yeah. are the kinds that you live for on all the different boxing calls. And this man, again, legendary on all of them. Again, Showbox Series on Friday. If you haven't found it yet, find The Kings, the four-part documentary, because Barry is interwoven on the play-by-play -play call of a lot of those fights for uh, Leonard Hearns, Hagler, and Duran. Marquise Johns, was this any fun, by the way, on the Big Fight Weekend podcast with Barry Tompkins one more time? 
absolutely, Barry. This has been a blast. Now, I do want to ask you, we'll get you on in this, uh, Barry. Uh, uh, sure. That Four Kings documentary, you're on the very tail end of that because you called Thomas Hearn's last fight. Uh, do you have any right. recollection of that whatsoever? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Uh, you know, I hated How to sad. It, 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 it yes. struck me as sad. How sad yeah. was it for you to be there? <laughs> I completely agree with you. It was. You know, yeah. there have been a few times like that where you know a guy is done and yet, yeah, he's been, like like the all the business with Oscar De La Hoya right now. I find that really sad. Yeah, you know, I, I I really do. You know, he's. I thought he was shot before he retired the first time. To tell you the truth, you know, in fact, I thought he was shot in the middle of his career. You know, <laughs> but but uh, but yeah, it, it, I I didn't think the fight should have happened, and you know the way it ended kind of left things up in the air. Where he's saying, "Oh." This one didn't count. I'm going to do it again. Thank God he didn't. Maybe they didn't do it again. <laughs> right. Well, Thank and, God. and Duran fought into his late 40s. The most fascinating part, and it, it's such, uh, it's tragic for a lot of reasons, but Marvin Hagler's no longer with us. But Marvin Hagler never fought again after the Leonard fight, but people don't realize he was only, he was barely 33 years old. I think he turned, turned 33 like the next month. Yeah. 33, Marvin Hagler never fought again. Uh, when these other guys fought on and fought on and fought on, just one more part. Yeah, the, he was uh, one of my favorite guys, quite frankly. I, I really liked Marvin. And, uh, and of course, you know, Ray, because I worked with him for so many years, I mean, he truly and still is like a little brother to me, you know. Um, so that was a really tough fight for me to do. But I always really liked Marvin. And I think, unfortunately, it's only since his passing that he started to get his just due as one of the great middleweights. I always thought he was one of the greatest middleweights ever. I really do. I still think that. But he lost that fight and the way he lost it and the way he walked until he died. I don't really think he ever got his due credit. Well, but uh, undisputed for the better part of about seven or eight years in the 80s. But everybody was there was to fight. Yeah. Hey, you did a you did a Hagler fight after Hagler fight, and like with the exception of Duran before the Leonard loss, nobody lasted with him. He mowed them all down, wore them down, and knocked them out. And you were there over and over and over again when yeah. that happened. Go back, go back, people, and relive the Kings, the four part documentary. I think I'm going to do it Very myself. Good. Barry is going to go be part of the upcoming farm report from Nebraska. And then he will I be am, on Showbox. I am. I'm working on my suey pig suey. Yell, you know, but that's usually <laughs> only in Arkansas, but I'm trying yes. to bring he it He will north, be you know? on Showbox coming Friday night with uh, Al Bernstein, Steve Farhood, Raul Marquez. The 20th anniversary of Showbox coming Friday night at the time that we are taping. Barry, thank you. What a treat to have you on the Big Fight yeah. Weekend podcast. We loved it. Oh, always great to be with you guys. Really enjoy it. Thanks, TJ. Thanks, Marquise. Man, it, it was that any good, Marquise Johns, to hang with uh, with Barry Tompkins. Uh, and, and again, we should pull the curtain back just a little bit. You and I are doing this, obviously, by video conferencing technology. You did put the picture up on Thursday evening when we had done the interview that Barry's talking to us from the hotel room. Bed made, <laughs> by the way. Did have the bed made in the hotel room. Uh, talking to us uh, from Grand Island, Nebraska, as they get ready from, uh, from that remote location to do the fights on Friday night. But what a kick. I mean, this guy, again, is called some of the iconic fights of the last 40 years as we kept going over. Uh, Barry Tompkins, and it was fun to have him back on the show. Absolutely, TJ. Uh, Barry Tompkins is obviously one of the best in the business. He made his bed up for us, TJ. I'm talking to you right now via Zoom. I can tell you right now, this bed is not made behind you, man. But uh, it is great to hear Barry I do. Tompkins. I do know this. Uh, <laughs> he had been, at the time that we were taping, at like fighter meetings, 
uh, and that stuff. And he had a jacket. He had a sports coat yeah. that was in our shot when, again, pulling the camera back, even though this is an audio podcast that you're hearing. He had a sport coat that was sitting in the background. I seriously thought he was going to walk over and put the sport coat on while we were doing an audio <laughs> podcast. And I kind of joked with him before I hit the record button. Hey, you don't have to put a sport coat on. This is radio. This is theater of the mind. The here. Mind. You don't have to do that. But uh, great to have him on. And it's amazing that uh, he is still on it at 88, 80 years of age for Barry Tompkins. That's it. I, I mean, it's incredible. And you listen to him and watch him call fights. I get the feeling the guy can do this for another five years if he wants, maybe longer. Absolutely, TJ. And he hasn't missed, he hasn't missed a beat on any of these calls or any of these fights at all whatsoever. It's amazing. And, and now, now we see why he's been covering all these sports for so long and really why he's such a great person as a whole. But, man, it's it really fun talking to Barry about just mainly because I, I want to talk about that Four Kings stuff because he's uh -huh. prevalent in that documentary. And it's great to hear his voice on it in more ways than one, actually. Well, and you got to remember one thing that we didn't cover in that interview, too. A lot of the yeah. time he was doing the HBO replay of the Hagler Hearns, the Hearns Leonard, the, the, the Hagler Hearns, the Hagler Leonard. So in other words, in that day, believe it or not, you had the pay-per-view on that night, or a lot of times in the early eighties, there wasn't even pay-per-view, not a lot of in-home pay-per-view. You went to a location and watched closed circuit. You went and found somewhere where somebody had a satellite dish, but that was your one chance to see it like maybe on a Thursday night, a lot of times they fought these fights, believe it or not, on a Monday night, and it would yeah. be days later that the replay would come up with, with Barry on the call, with Larry Merchant, Sugar Ray Leonard some of the time. Obviously, Leonard was involved in some of the fights, so they had other analysts that would come in uh, when Leonard wasn't there. But Barry would be on the tape-delayed call, essentially, in the early 80s there, that would appear on Showtime days later, and it was still authentic. It was still great to hear him. Just worth noting, and go go check out the Showtime The King series, the four-part series, mm -hmm. because Barry is is all the way through that thing. Are you with me that it's just fantastic to, when you whenever you relive um, Hearns Hagler to have Barry Tompkins in the middle of it just say, this is still the first round while they are beating each other uh, senseless in, in the first 90 seconds of that. Yeah, it really is, TJ. And it's one of those great calls because maybe maybe because really that's one of the greatest fights ever just as a whole. But the fact that he was involved with it makes it that much special. And the, the fact that he has been there for just not only that fight, but countless others where it's like, yep. it, it's, it's unbelievable. And, it, and, that's, that, and that's only just in boxing. He's called countless you know, football games and basketball yep. games. It's been all over the place where it's like, because uh, you, you mentioned to me before off the air, before we got on the recording, but the, uh, the Pac-12 game with him in, in, in USC and Fresno State. I remember a game he did. <laughs> <laughs> where I want to say it was USC LA when back because I think he used to do it when Fox Sports Net had uh, their version of the Pac-12 coverage because he was always covering the West Coast games because he's, he's right, an area right. guy. Late night football. Yeah. Gam not not saying this is you, but Gambler's Paradise, the late night Pac-12 game on a Saturday night. Yes, Barry Tompkins right. on the call. So you're telling me, TJ, people were 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 not watching San Jose State because they had a rooting interest for the Aztecs? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but you you watch you watch Barry Tompkins on the call against uh, UCLA. I mean, that Fresno State game had Reggie Bush in it. And I was joking to you about that that they've wiped that from the record books. But Barry was yeah. still there at the Coliseum when I think Reggie Reggie Bush just stopped running about 15 minutes ago against Fresno State <laughs> in that game at the Coliseum. So Barry's had a long career doing a lot of stuff, and again, he will be on the Showbox uh, 20th anniversary show coming 
on Friday night. All right, here's what we need to do. Marquis, stand by. We have much to get to. Uh, the Charlo Castaño controversy rages on uh, here late in the week on the podcast. We're going to have our thoughts on what happened with the fight and the judge, the controversial judge, Nelson Vasquez, who gave nine rounds to Charlo out of those 12. I could maybe see six and a six, six fight, six rounds apiece, but nine talk about three blind mice. We'll talk about the judge. We'll talk about the controversy after. Are we going to see a rematch? Uh, more with this London fight card, including the odds and predictions. Joe Joyce, Carlos Takam uh, fighting in the Queensbury Promotions uh, heavyweight showdown. Joyce trying to stay undefeated, trying to stay near the top of the rankings of the WBO and a couple of other places to stay relevant for the heavyweight title. We're going to help break that fight down and much more coming up. But first, we're brought to you by our friends at WinBet, bringing you the action of real sports betting with the Win Las Vegas experience. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, sports, and games. Generous promos, odds, and parlays are happening right now at WinBet. Get started today. You'll receive a special offer for up to $500 risk-free on a sports bet. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at winbet.com. And download the app today. Again, that's wynnbet.com. And we're brought to you by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Find the best odds on the NBA championship and the Stanley Cup futures when you buy directly from other bettors on PropSwap. If you see a ticket you like but think the price is too high, submit a bid for the price that you think is fair and then buy it. Every ticket purchased on PropSwap can be resold at any time with one click of the button and PropSwap gives you a suggested price tool to let you know how much your ticket should be worth. Last week, a PropSwap customer sold a $500 40-to-1 Phoenix Suns championship ticket for $16,000 after the Suns went up 2 nothing in the finals. That's a 30 times return for the seller and adjusted odds of minus 400 for the buyer when every sports book in the country has the Suns at least minus 500 to win the series at that point. That's how it works. With PropSwap, your bet doesn't need to win in order to make money. It just needs to improve. Kind of think of it like the stock market, but for sports betting. Use our promo code SGP and your first deposit is for up to $500 in bonus cash. $500 in bonus cash. Go to PropSwap.com or download the PropSwap app today. That's PropSwap. And a reminder, the SGPN app is right there live now in the App Store and the Google Play Store. This app gives you easy access to all of our picks, all of our podcasts, everything in the content from the SGPN family of shows and everything that's going on on the app. Don't forget, give us an app review. Download the SGPN app today in the App Store and the Google Play Store. Look for us. It's the SGPN app. We're back on Big Fight Weekend. Now, here's your host, TJ Reeves. Again, we are back, and no matter how and where you found us, thank you for doing so on the Big Fight Weekend podcast, social media links, sportsgamblingpodcast.com, their network fleet of shows. Uh, A reminder, too, if you have an Alexa, if you have a Google device, and you want this show to play, just tell it to play Big Fight Weekend on Apple Podcasts, by the way. And this podcast will fire right away on your Alexa, on your Google Dot, your Google device. 
whatever it is, she will play away uh, through Apple Podcasts. And that's why you need to be subscribed uh, as well through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. But they have a relationship, obviously, with those outlets. So just tell your Alexa or your Google, play Big Fight Weekend on Apple Podcasts, and boom, we will appear with the latest show. Uh, replay Marquise's greatest hits till your heart is content. All right. Uh, <laughs> I promise we'll get to a little of the fight action this weekend. Again, repeat with me. We, we are doing a little group therapy here. We're having to get through yes. this because we got no Fury Wilder uh, for this week. Mm -hmm. uh, we're doing the best that we can. We do have a heavyweight fight card. We've got the Showtime fight card on Friday. This was supposed to be the trilogy third fight in Vegas till all this Tyson Fury stuff. We're here together trying to cope, group therapy, help the audience get through that we don't have this. TJ, in, in the words uh, you hear every so often, no disrespect to uh, Joe Joyce and Carlos DeCame, but uh, Tyson Fury, Wilder, and three was what's happened this weekend. And essentially being replaced with that fight, TJ, is when you go to the grocery store and you forget your wallet to buy groceries. So <laughs> we're, 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 that's where we are right now. And hopefully we can get through this. But at some point, that fight will happen. But in the meantime, we got other things to keep an eye on. Oh, no doubt. It's like going to McDonald's and you find out they don't have hamburgers. It's it just or kind the of ice defeats it all. Or the ice yeah. cream machine's broken, which is always it, broken, but yeah, it stays it's always broken. seems that it is. Um, <laughs> all right, so let's get to it. Uh, it's been discussed now for several days. It continues to be a hot topic. Undisputed junior middleweight world title fight, San Antonio, Texas last weekend. You and I, full disclosure, believed Jamel Charlo was going to win, win convincingly, win by knockout. Yeah. Not only did that not happen, but I am here to testify at the pulpit uh, to the congregation on bigfightweekend.com. Uh, Brian Castaño, I believe, won that fight. I believe he won seven rounds. You could even make the case. I believe on your card you had him winning eight rounds. Yeah. Marquise, give me some more on uh, on what we saw last week. For a life of me, TJ, well, I'm still trying to figure out what Nelson Velasquez's scorecard is that he gave Charlo nine rounds. And for the life of me, I you mentioned in the open that we, you couldn't find nine rounds for him. I don't think they have nine rounds for Charlo if they run this fight back in the rematch, where essentially Charlo spent the entire fight, for the most part, TJ, either, either, behind, either, either behind or on the ropes trying to fend for himself. And it worked in the later rounds, like the last two or three per se. But like the first half of this fight, he was getting absolutely dominated, outpunched, outvalued outworked TJ. Now was the thing that was making him lose these rounds was he was being outworked, but two of the judges sort of kind of got it right. Uh, Nelson did not. And then usual San Antonio, Texas fashion, uh, 117, 111 is always going to be the scorecard that screws all these fights up. And it's, a, and it's a shame TJ, because this fight for the most part, everyone's making up and down is in the fight of the year. Hopper along with Estrada, uh, Chocolatito uh, too. And, and you know, what's funny about that TJ 117, 111 was on that scorecard as well. So oh, there's, there's well, a bad a pattern. Fight. here. It's a good yeah. point. And uh, okay, so Nelson Vasquez, the judge, has spoken out to a Puerto Rican uh, sports site. The Gondol. He's, he's, yeah, he's basically defending his card and saying that the punch stats that you see for overall volume of punches landed doesn't necessarily mean round by round. Sorry. Eh, sorry. Uh, Vasquez gave Jamel Charlo five of the first six rounds on his card. And in five of those first six rounds, uh, Castaño outlanded Jermel Charlo in five of them. So not, not just total through six rounds more punches, but in each individual round in five of the six, he outlanded him. He outworked him. He was the aggressor. You're right. Horrible card. Nelson Vasquez should not work anytime soon, if ever, another championship fight. Awful, indefensible card. It's period. a bad 
it's a bad card, TJ. And the one thing that bothered me about it more than anything else, he gave him the third, the first five to six rounds of that fight. Uh, someone tell, give that card to Derek James because in real time during that fight, all you heard was uh, Derek James say over and over again in the corner at the end of the bell, Charlo, you're giving up these rounds. You're giving up these rounds. Right. He wasn't doing that as a psychology Jedi mind trick to make him fight better. He was doing it to make sure he won and, the fight. And <laughs> starting in about the ninth round, he was concerned you're you're behind, you got to step on it. And in the 10th round, just before Charlo did ignite, he said to Charlo, you got to knock him out. Knock his guy out. Yeah. And he even said it to him before the bell in the 12th round. You got this, you got to knock him out because he believed you're losing by enough of a margin here, two or three rounds that you're not going to overcome it. Um, and I thought, again, this is not hindsight, but I thought in real time I was going to get my late round knockout. I believed it was going to be somewhere around ninth, 10th, 11th round. He yeah. would wear him down and get to him. And I thought we were getting that in the 10th. And to Castaño's credit, he fended it off. He didn't, he didn't go down. And then I thought he outworked Jermel Charlo. And here's one of the little hidden facts, and I want your take here on yes. the Big Fight Weekend podcast. All three judges gave Jermel Charlo the 11th round. I have gone back and watched that 11th round. What were all three of them watching? I think they were somewhat influenced by the crowd roaring at Charlo trying to do something early in the round. But Castaño lands like maybe 10 or 12 significant punches in the last minute and a half of that round. I'm like, he won the 11th round, which should have salted it away. That's what I believe also led Derek James, the trainer of Charlo, to say, you need a knockout here. You didn't yeah. win that 11th round. And yet all three judges gave Charlo the 11th round. And that is the difference in Castaño not getting the nod on Tim Cheatham's card. Tim Cheatham's card tied 114 apiece because he gave the 11th round in the end to Charlo that I didn't think he deserved. That that's right, TJ. And I'm trying to figure out, especially with these judges, were they even watching this fight the last three rounds? Because there was you can make a case, TJ, honestly. The tenth you can give to Charlo, the last two you can honestly give to Castaniel per se, especially the eleventh round where I thought he won that round flat out, where it's like I it's one of those things, TJ, where I with, with some of these judges and some of these scorecards where it's like it, it, it gets a little it almost becomes undefeated. Not, not only undefensible, but also embarrassing where it's like you yeah. have to turn this in and they and they ran that they and, and it was so the and Vasquez card was so bad, TJ. They had to run this guy down back home in Puerto Rico. And his excuse was what we all say, you know, when we 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 have no excuse for for our bad scorecards, where it's like, hey, things happen. It was a different fight I was watching, probably. You could just say that or fans watch this on TV while drinking beer and whatever, but but still. Um, yeah, but the difference I, I is think- I think that the, the strong point that needs to be made is the accountability, which you were alluding to, is not there from media scrutiny after a fight uh, on this. And, and more to the point, boxing commissions and bigger boxing organizations need to send clear messages like that 117-111 would have warranted uh, the WBC, WBA, IBF, WBO to come down together collectively and say, Nelson Vasquez is either indefinitely suspended or he's never watching, working another championship fight for us on that bad of a card. Now we have accountability. It just doesn't seem like we have accountability. No, and, and I don't think we're going to get it anytime soon, TJ, which is a really annoying. And what makes it even worse, as you well know, TJ, they, they, these guys want to run this fight back. But unfortunately, the IBF has stepped in and, and they want their piece of the pie because they, they can't wait around any longer. They've been waiting for two years for this mandatory to come off. So we're, we're going to get uh, uh, Batir Magdavi, if I want to say his name is correctly, is on that one for, against Charlotte at some Good point. Good try. That's yeah. the best we can do, probably. 
Yeah, but but at the end of the day, TJ, it's an IBF mandatory. And, and, and what's funny, TJ, and, I, and I, I didn't realize this until I was looking back on it, he's been fighting on these undercards as step aside. And at this point, main events, guys, uh, who have, if anyone's been taking attention to boxing the last five years, when's the last time we saw a main events promoted television card? Exactly. That's why they want the their Duvas, mandatory to step aside. Right, the Duvas, yeah. Kathy Duva. Yeah, Kathy's still around kicking and screaming. That's why she's kicking and screaming for this mandatory to kick in because she's tired of taking the step-aside money. And again, so. it is Bakram Matruzalayev, if I have it right, Matruzalayev, oh. and he's a Russian. He trains out of California. Um, he has fought on a couple of cards, including the other night he fought on the card with Jamel Charlo on the undercard as yeah. the IBF mandatory. So let's see if that fight happens next and you believe it's going to sidetrack a possible rematch with Brian Castaño coming up. And then maybe we get Castaño and Tim Zhu, who's the WBO mandatory. Will that fight happen in the interim? And could Zhu upset Castaño and throw off the whole rematch with Jermel Charlo? That's what we're left wondering. If they don't fight each other, there's a risk, probably more so for Castaño, that he could lose to Tim Zhu. You buy that? I do buy that, TJ. But I will admit one thing. If that mandatory fight does happen, we don't have to worry about things about people complaining about traveling to uh, Australia and or Argentina for this fight. So if anything, if, if this WBO mandatory fight happens at 154, it's going to be somewhere overseas. I'm looking forward to that. And hopefully it's it's a, it's a chance that Tim Zoo needs if, if he wants to get a belt uh, as soon as possible without having to travel over here. Maybe that fight goes over there or he goes to Casino yeah, somewhere in Argentina. All right. I love you to gauge the numbers here. So I'm going to say give me one to 10. 10, it absolutely happens. Like I like to say, one, no chance that it happens. Castaño, mm -hmm. Charlo, rematch is next before the end of the year one to ten um i'm going with zero because i really do think because the wow. ibf is step well keep in mind tj that this ibf mandatory was set back for i want to say they said february of 2019 it's been that long ago and that was around the point where i think tj were uh, uh and rosario had the belt at one point or J uh, julian jalak williams so they couldn't defend the mandatory because those guys lost the belts consecutively so what about jamel charlo saying hey i can make a couple of million more by fighting the Castaño rematch, strip me of the IBF belt. We won't call it undisputed for right now, but I'll get around to this Russian after I beat Castaño. I'll get around to the Russian in 2022. I want the stink off of this draw. You don't buy that at all? I don't buy it only because I think they want that stigma. And pretty much the only tag we got for this whole fight all weekend, teaser was it's undisputed. Undisputed yeah. at 154. So chance to make history and legacy. And you can't do that with if that, that, that IBF mandatory belt's uh, missing out of the equation. And again, we're not just singling out Nelson Vasquez on the accountability. What is it? Dr. Lou Moret with the oh, horrible yeah, scorecards <laughs> out in California that we see. We've, we've previously seen, what is it? Adelaide bird, Adelaide bird. cards and uh, judge after judge. I went all the way back to the, the Mexican judge, Jojo Guerra that worked the famous <laughs> Leonard Hagler fight that infamously gave 10 of the rounds to sugar Ray Leonard. And what was Bob Aram's line? And we came from the four Kings. The, uh, the docu-series, he had that scorecard filled out before the fight started. <laughs> 118-110 in favor of Sugar Ray Leonard. But JoJo Guerra disappeared and never worked another championship fight. Why do I get the same feeling that Nelson Vasquez might be the same way um, uh, on the judging? All right, so we move yeah. off of the junior middleweights. Uh, interesting news late in the week, and I promise we're getting to this uh, British heavyweight contender fight, unbeaten Joe Joyce, Carlos Takam. That is the Queensbury promotion show Saturday night in London, Saturday afternoon, U.S. time, depending on when you're hearing us on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. We'll make a, a couple of comments, little gambling odds there for that in a moment. 
Uh, right now, something we were on to on the Big Fight Weekend website of the podcast is Sean Porter going to, in fact, talk his way into a WBO World Welterweight title fight with Terrence Crawford for later this year. I was out in Vegas, our buddy T.C. Martin. We plug away for the T.C. Martin show five days mm-hmm. a week on in the afternoons in Las Vegas. I got the chance to sit on the air with Sean Porter live from the Cosmopolitan Hotel. Much love to the Cosmopolitan. And Sean Porter said uh, at length, it, it, basically uh, elaborating, hey, I have been lobbying privately and talking to Terrence Crawford, and I believe we can do this for October, if not a little later in 2022, I, or 2021, I will fight him later this year. Uh, we should do that fight, whether it's on ESPN, ESPN pay-per-view, Fox, whoever has to be involved, we should do this. And now we find out from the WBO that they're saying we want this to happen. All right, Marquise, is it time to get excited? Or are you a little skeptical that the WBO is saying Crawford and Spence should fight before the end of the year? I'm skeptical, TJ, only because of the timing of it. As we all know, I, it, it's a weird marketing ploy, TJ. I think what they're doing with this fight, and I think this fight does happen in one way or another, mainly because Sean Porter has been talking this fight into existence for, I think, all this pandemic at this point. The one thing that I thought was really interesting, TJ, as we all know, Terrence Crawford's contract expires in October, right? So if, 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 if we're doing the math here, the WBL Blase Blase has 30 days for it goes to a purse bid. These guys aren't fighting for 200 grand. That's the minimum purse bid that it starts at. So let's, 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 let's toss all of that out which, the window, which by the way the purse bid total not 200 grand per fighter that that's yeah. like a mcdonald's happy meal to crawford in particular yes go ahead yeah yeah so so scratch all that so my thinking is tj is that that they have this fight pretty much all but wrapped up essentially they need to figure out the figures and whatnot what i'm trying to figure out tj is that is this was it was the dangling carrot for terrence crawford to re-sign with top rank and has he already done that already because if this fight happens at the end of the year Say it doesn't happen exactly end at the end of October, which happens like in November or December. He's got to resign with somebody. Is it a one fight deal? Is it is it is it more than one? Is it a long term deal? Usually with top rank, you guys sign for more than one fight. So I'm really intrigued about that part of it. I, honestly, I believe this is the swan song. They can put it on ESPN pay-per-view, and then he steps with a win. He steps right into the unification picture with Errol Spence or moving up to fight Jamel Charlo in 2022 or whatever it is. I think the options are open. I think it's exit visas from uh, from top rank and ESPN, but maybe we're uh, maybe we're wrong um, on that point. But and actually, again, to piggyback the and actually piggyback yeah. that point, TJ, as well, because uh, uh, so because essentially, this fight happens. It's going to be on ESPN or Fox pay per view. What pick one doesn't matter. Uh, it's going to be on pay per view. But the one thing I thought would be interesting about it also, TJ, is the simple fact that. There's no Tiafimo Lopez Lomachenko rematch happening this year on pay per view, so they had to replace that with something. That's why I think the budget for that fight shifted ironically over to Terrence Crawford, Sean Porter. I will I will say this though because we've said this before. So to go back to our discussions on Teofimo Lopez fighting the Australian George Cambosis, is it going to happen or not? We basically concluded, did we not, on this podcast last week that we don't think this fight is happening. Yeah. So I think I think the Teofimo Lopez Lomachenko rematch is very much back in play for October or November in this country, as opposed yeah. to go to Australia to fight Cambosis. Yeah, uh, because I think Triller wants out of that deal. They want to make. Lopez give up, quit, and not try to collect the money from them on the purse bid of three and a half million dollars to him for an ordinary fight. So that's what they're trying to stick to. And I I think Lopez Lomachenko is still a a real possibility, maybe November, but for top rank to come on a Saturday night uh, for that fight. Let's see. Let's see if that one 
uh, gets made. Any other news of the week before we get to the fights? Have we pretty much covered it? Uh, again, Sean Porter is working, by the way, the Olympic coverage with yeah. Kenny Rice, NBC, NBC Sports Network, online, NBCOlympics.com, the Peacock streaming network, etc. Sean Porter is on the call of the fights for the amateur boxing for the United States, uh, including Keyshawn Davis out of the lightweight division, the former yes. uh, amateur star out of Norfolk, Virginia, who's now had three professional fights. We won't get into all of it, but the, the International Olympic Committee basically said recent pros can, that were intending to fight as amateurs last year in the Olympics, they can come back in as amateurs. So Keyshawn Davis, arguably our best chance for a medal, if not a gold medal, Mm -hmm. Sean Porter will be on the call on those fights. If you're listening, starting on Sunday and Monday is when the boxing coverage will begin at all hours of the, of the night, all hours of the day and night from Tokyo. And then it'll be very interesting to hear from Sean Porter when his boxing commentary is done or is in a lull about making this fight happen. Because Terrence Crawford, by the way, gave comments on Thursday where he basically said he, he's been talking to Porter. He verified it and he could see this fight happening. If it could be worked out, let's see what Sean Porter has to say at some point. Absolutely. Absolutely. TJ. And also to piggyback that point as well, Bob came out as well. And he said, he's hot. He's optimistic. This fight could happen, which is, which is pretty much his, his weird way of saying like we're working on it. So we'll, we'll go from there with, with whatever. They know. owe Once him again, one more fight for a certain amount of money. And so Crawford, we're talking about for top rank. Yeah. Let's see if that one uh, will happen. All right. So let's get into it for uh, first off, as we talk with Barry Tompkins back at the beginning of the show, the super middleweight, about that is coming on Friday night as the main event on Showbox. And again, you may be listening later in the weekend and you already know the result. Calvin Henderson unbeaten against Isaiah Steen, also unbeaten. Isaiah Steen minus 170 on the gambling odds to get the win. Uh, Calvin Henderson plus 140 as the underdog. Again, both guys undefeated, both prospects, kind of a 50-50 fight like what uh, Barry was alluding to. It is a 50-50 fight, TJ, and uh, Calvin Hot Sauce Henderson, TJ, was one of the few people <laughs> I saw before the pandemic broke out. He was on the, the now-defunct Victory Sports Network on a streaming show when one of his one of his minor fight cards before he got, got this opportunity. Slick puncher, TJ, is going to be really interesting. Uh, he's facing uh, Isaiah Swoopstein, a uh, uh, family member of uh, Charles Conwell, a uh, middleweight prospect, uh, in, in, in that, in, out of that gym, out of uh, Soul City Boxing, Roshan Jones. It's, it's a real 50-50 fight, TJ. Uh, in terms of cash-wise and gambling aspects, I would probably stick with the favorite on Steen here only because of of Steen's resume. Both guys have been pretty active for most part during this pandemic, but Steen's has faced a better competition. Again, it's 168 pounds. Steen has 12 knockouts and 15 fights, both of them undefeated. That's the main event on the Showbox card from Nebraska. Uh, and again, insert your punchline about agriculture, farming, and, and the fair uh, <laughs> from Barry Tompkins earlier in the show. All right, so the BT Sport televised Queensberry card, Frank Warren's Saturday night fight card in London, heavyweight Joe Joyce, the juggernaut, speaking of the Olympics, the former Olympian, what, silver medalist, right, uh, yes. in the Olympics, lost to Tony Yoka okay. back 2016, right, in the Brazil uh, Summer Olympics. Yes. So Joyce, who's an older fighter, he's in his mid thirties, even though he only turned pro a few years ago, he was also an MMA fighter, but a longtime amateur boxer. All right. So Joyce undefeated the last fight he had, he beat young up and coming heavyweight undefeated heavyweight. Daniel Dubois stopped him, fractured his eye orbital and stopped mm -hmm. him. Now he's fighting another veteran, a grizzled veteran that may or may not have much left in Carlos Takam. Your thoughts on this main event, London, Saturday night, uh, English time. 
uh, Saturday afternoon, U.S. time. What do you think, Marquise? You know what, TJ? Before this fight, I was thinking, oh, it's going to be a tough test for uh, uh, Joe Joyce, you know, with, with Takam, you know, grizzled veterans you mentioned before, plenty of experience, has a, has a win streak coming in here, was last seen beating Jerry Forrest in one of these top-ranked bubble shows during the pandemic. Then I saw the final press conference photo where uh, Joe Joyce lives up to his juggernaut nickname where he towers over Carlos Takeum, TJ, by about five inches and about 40 pounds. So I'm willing to lay the farm on Joe Joyce and anything that you have left afterwards <laughs> in, in a contest that probably bet would- the would... rent money, bet the light bill money, bet it all on Joyce minus 850, you're saying, to com plus 400 as the underdog, you're saying stay away. Stay, stay absolutely away. Stay away. Wow, you found 800. That's actually, that's actually gone down from what I saw. I've seen on some places 1,100 and 1,200 actually. So yeah, just- if, if you're if you're rooting for it to comment on a flyer, uh, don't if, root for it. If, if anything, TJ, if this, if this fight starts slow because Joe Joyce is a jab machine and that's usually his go-to, root for a draw. If in the event that Takeum doesn't do anything, but I don't think <laughs> I don't think this fight goes the distance. Well, Joyce uh, minus two twenty-five to win by knockout or stoppage. So that gives you an idea from the odds makers here. They believe a KO is happening, but then again. Yeah. Uh, last week, we believed Jermel Charlo was going to get the KO, and Brian yeah. Castaño showed up tough and outfought him. I don't know that Takam has that in him. No. Uh, and then for Joyce, you wonder what happens. There had been talk that he was going to fight Alexander Usyk, the former Cruiserweight world champion, in kind of a, a WBO eliminator fight for who ends up fighting Anthony Joshua next. Usyk ends up getting the fight with Anthony Johnson. Hey, wait a hey. minute. What is that in the background? I hear the hallelujah chorus maybe in the background. Hallelujah. Uh, yes, we, we will. We will have an announcement next week is no longer next week. We had the announcement this Man. week, seven weeks and counting. We finally got the announcement that Joshua and Usyk will happen. So Joyce doesn't get Usyk. Instead, yeah. Usyk challenges Anthony Joshua, Joshua. September 25th, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Joyce realistically is not going to get into the title picture probably till middle of next year at the earliest and maybe like late 2022. So he's just going to have to be patient here. Win impressively and then wait it out to see what happens because you know if Usyk wins, there'll be a rematch with Joshua. If Joshua Guaranteed. wins, <laughs> he's loving him some Tyson Fury somewhere down the yeah. road before he's fighting Joe Joyce. Yeah, and that's the one thing, TJ, I think as well with the mandatories at this point where I, Joe Joyce is pretty much fighting just to stay busy at this point. He's going to be staying busy for a while because after after this uh, Joshua Usyk winner, hopefully Joshua ret retains here and then it, it goes the, the winner of this Wilder Fury thing. If that ever happens, maybe it happens. If not, we may get Fury at some point next year. Who knows? If we're at the mercy of Tyson Fury at this point and where's in in Waldo and all that other fun stuff. But also in mind, TJ, that, that the WBC mandatory will kick back in before all these other fights. And I think the WBA as well, which is scary because I think at the WBA, the name Trevor Bryant, who you may know from that Don King card this year. Yeah, that happened. Uh, he won. So he may have a, a bizarre opportunity next year if the Don King waits around long enough to put his the cash his ticket in for this heavyweight mandatory fans for the WBA. Well, the WBA again is has got six Wretched. different versions of contenders <laughs> of belts of whatever. By the way, a yeah. couple of other quick notes on the whole Fury Wilder thing that again was supposed to happen this weekend. It's not again yeah. a lot of the air is let out of the balloon because it was going to be we should be right now uh, frothing for Wilder Fury 3 as we approach the weekend on the Big Fight Weekend podcast and, and again we get none of it. I mean, I heard a Frank Warren interview and we wrote about it on the website on bigfightweekend.com yeah. before we get out of here that he said Bob Arum 
was touting the fact privately they had sold $14 million worth of tickets, including big blocks of tickets to the local um, uh, casino resorts uh, for everybody wanting to come in and wanting to have tickets to this fight. But then Warren went on about, I just feel bad for Tyson Fury, but don't feel bad for Tyson Fury. Again, uh, I'm going to continue to bang the drum here. He should be blasted. He should be ridiculed for not taking the precautions to get himself vaccinated or those around him to be vaccinated or at least COVID tested if they were going to be around him. Uh, and I think it's fair to say if that is really what happened, if he really did test positive for this and it was not about because he was not in great shape or he's flaking out again mentally or whatever and wanted to delay this fight, because, again, there is skepticism every which direction when you show up a few days after a supposed COVID test and you're mingling with the peeps in casinos and luxury car places. It's dubious. And if you feel bad for anybody, feel bad for Deontay Wilder, who has been waiting and waiting for this third fight and is delayed again. And I'll even go another step further. This won't happen. But in the world, according to TJ Perfect World here in boxing, mm -hmm. which boxing is not, the WBC should make it clear headed towards October that if Tyson Fury, for whatever reason, doesn't defend on October the 9th, the belt is vacant. And Deontay Wilder is scheduled against someone in the first possible opportunity, November or December, to fight them for the vacant belt. Again, do I believe that has any chance of actually happening? No. But when, if we're in the world of what should happen, that threat, that edict should be out there in my mind nice. that you're, you're not going to pull the shenanigans any more here to delay this or not have this fight or try to get out of this fight. We'll take the belt from you. You can go fight Anthony Joshua without the WBC title. Absolutely, TJ. And I, I find it very hard to believe by Frank, you know, co-promoter of Tyson Fury all of a sudden, <laughs> willing to leave $14 million on the table. So, so all of a sudden, the, the, the boxing promoter has a heart, TJ. That, that's the story we're sticking with here. Yeah. Did, did we not see Dillian White-Pavetkin, too, in the state Pavetkin was in and looked like he probably should have been cleared to fight? We're, 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 we're playing that game still, right? All right, sure. But either way, no, the WBC and, and, their lack, and, and whatever the heck they do at Bridgerweight and whatnot need to do something with this belt that Fury is holding hostage at this one because he's not fighting with it. So, and they, they, they strip people for a lot less, TJ. They, so, I mean, what, what are we waiting we'll here? See. We'll see. We'll see as it goes along. And again, that fight uh, not happening. All right, anything else? We covered the anniversary of Mike McCallum, the body snatcher, just absolutely starching Donald Curry with yes. that wicked left hand in the historical perspective perspective back 1987 that was a 34th anniversary of that knockout and Barry Tompkins right on it still remembers what was it the girlfriend behind him yes. screaming oh my god he killed him blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> on the call I got to go back and turn the volume up and hear that again but uh, they were right on the call you know the interesting thing just one more we didn't say this with Barry the yeah. subplot around the, that time with the fight was Donald Curry was suing Sugar Ray Leonard for a million dollars because he said Leonard lied to him and advised him away from a possible fight with Marvin Hagler moving mm. up as welterweight champion to fight Marvin Hagler because Leonard wanted that fight for himself. And so much so Donald Curry was trying to have Sugar Ray Leonard thrown off the HBO broadcast off the wow. call of the fight for not being objective. Um, and wouldn't have him in the fighter meeting or anything. HBO eventually said, hey, we have our announcer. He's our announcer. He's calling the fight. And then, of course, Curry gets laid out, and I'm watching the full rebroadcast on YouTube where Barry Tompkins is now talking to Sugar Ray Leonard, and he goes, 
Well, I guess in terms of judge or jury or whatever, what Mike McCallum just did right there pretty well ends any thoughts that Donald Curry would have had of having a case to fight Marvin Hagler. He kind of did the dirty work for you uh, oh. with that knockout. So, again, that's how, how far back Barry goes. Yes. Uh, and remember, that was a time frame where Sugar Ray Leonard was primarily an announcer yeah. on HBO because he had a five-year period where he only fought one time. He was on HBO all the time as a commentator with Barry Tompkins and Larry Merchant. But from about 1982 to 1987, he only fought once before he fought Marvin Hagler. So it was just, it was funny to go back and, and why, and at the time that he was fighting Hagler in 87, um, uh, when all of that took place, um, Sugar Ray Leonard hadn't fought in like a couple of years. And he he was primarily known as a commentator at that time. Anyway, I digress. Anything with the historical perspective, read it on bigfightweekend.com. We love looking back. Marquise, plug away for everything, including this weekend, how they find you on social media and much more. Absolutely, TJ. You can find me on Twitter at Week Sauce Radio. I'm, I'm usually there t- uh, tweeting boxing news, uh, shenanigans, nonsense, anything else that's going on in the world of boxing. Uh, also, BigFightWeekend.com, your source for all things boxing news, past, present, future. We'll keep an eye out on the fights this weekend. Fun show, Box Car for our 20th anniversary. That should be a fun one as well. I'll keep an eye out uh, this weekend to see what Joy Joyce does against Carlos Dickham. Maybe there's a bizarre upset. If it is, TJ, it'll probably be the biggest one this year we run into. And if that, if that happens, also want to make note as well, TJ, heavyweight prospect David Adelaide's on this uh, Queensberry. There's not too much else on this card besides those two fights, but he's on there as well as a prospect at heavyweight. He's fun to look at. Also, uh, since since uh, we got the announcement, TJ, of Joshua Usyk, I'm, 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 my big fight announcement playoff beard has been shaven, TJ. I'm now replacing it with the, <laughs> the beard for the, e, the this eSports boxing club game, which has been mentioned at this point for about two presidents. So at some point, we'll figure out something's got to give. I mean, we got the Usyk-Joshua announcement. Maybe we'll get a boxing fight card video game for once in the same year. Crazy things yeah, have happened. I, I was always preferential to knockout kings from EA Sports back in the day. And you're, the you're big in all these MLB, the show, and Madden, and all these video games. So you want the boxing video game. So you're growing the playoff beard now yes. uh, until you get the boxing video game now. that. But uh, keep, keep one thing in mind. Dare I put it out there not to try to poison everything a couple of months out from September. Um, the COVID uh cases going up especially in the uk UK. are they going to be able to have fans much less have 30,000 50,000 60,000 tickets sold the way that eddie hearn wants to a couple of months from now that again is why it is such a gut punch because fury wilder would have had a full arena we believe for this weekend at the t-mobile arena and you would have had a a fight that we could count on and have had it this weekend in the united states and then whatever happens with flare-ups with COVID 19 over the course of the next few weeks few months wouldn't be going back to no fans at fights and that could be could be a reality for joshua and Usyk. we won't know for a few weeks but it could be just putting it out there in the meantime great job i know we had fun with barry tompkins uh, a lot of good stuff. Week sauce. Have a great weekend. We'll catch up with you soon enough here on the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks so much. There is week sauce radio. Marquise Johns. Follow us at big fight weekend on social media, big fight weekend as well on Twitter and on the Facebook page. 
and the website. Thanks again to the Sports Gambling Podcast for promoting us. Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows, sportsgamblingpodcast.com. Mucho thanks to everybody with Showtime, uh, including Chris de Blasio, Steve Pratt. They do a great job with the PR. They help line up Barry Tompkins for us. They pulled him away with the local Nebraska radio interviews for the county fair to come talk with us on the Big Fight Weekend podcast, and we love that. Uh, so, again, we'll watch those guys with uh, Barry and Steve Farhood and Al Bernstein even in Nebraska on Friday night. We'll see what happens on that show box card. For now, we are done. Subscribe to this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. It comes automatically to you. For now, we are good on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Bye.